This is Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills, and today we're offering the first in what will ultimately be two parts, sharing portions of a Trucking Insights panel held at truckstop.com's third Connected User Conference, held earlier this week in Dallas. Insights on rate growth post-ELD mandate, economic conditions, and just when we might look out for a downturn, automation in trucking and brokerage, and much more were on offer from Tucker Company Worldwide Broker Jeff Tucker, Truckstop.com Chief Economist Noel Perry, and Stiefel's John Larkin. This edition features some occasionally diverging thoughts on opportunities and dilemmas for brokers and small carriers when it comes to the, quote, Amazon effect we've written about from time to time in food and retail in particular, with tightened delivery windows and lead times on loads. Before we get to that, though, a bit of an observation from 31-year driver Brian Locke who wrote in after I noted that of late evidence of the American Trucking Association's driver shortage PR machine in hyperdrive in the mainstream media. As regular readers will recall from my driver shortage alarm story from some years back, the so-called shortage of drivers is pitched as a labor problem driving up costs for consumers. From the vantage of many small fleets and most brokerages, however, constraints present as capacity issues in spot mar- freight markets an opportunity for rate and pay growth generally. As customers understand new constraints as a result of mandated ELDs, among other forces. Those mandated ELDs seldom get mentioned, and if they do, it's often a cursory mention in mainstream sor- stories latching onto the notion that the industry is short a certain number of drivers willing and able to take driving jobs. Brian Locke, who spent his long career in trucking as a company driver th- through it all, throws some ice cold water on that notion as he wrote me. I think this driver shortage must be totally false. I am an OTR driver with 31 years of experience and no trucking company, and I mean none, will hire me. I have told everyone that I have 31 years and approximately 2.5 to 3 million accident-free miles. I don't smoke or drink, and I do take extreme care of the trucks that have been assigned to me to drive over the years. I had never missed a day of work that I know of since I got my license in 1978 up until 2010. I got very sick in 2010 and was out of a truck for three and a half years, the only time I had really missed. Brian told me he was the very definition of a professional driver, someone who, quote, absolutely loves, end quote, drivers and driving, and has wanted to be a driver since about age five. Again, he was one, and a safe one, for more than three decades, he says. Past companies he worked for either went belly up or were sold off, he noticed, noted as reasons for severing ties with him, or vice versa. If a trucking company won't hire a guy like that, I don't know what to say about it other than to note the self-fulfilling prophecy of high turnover at a lot of the carriers who make it a part of their program to take on very new CDL holders principally. At once, Locke, who never went to a driving school in the 70s when he learned, noted his time away from the profession of hauling with his sickness remembering an old adage from a couple of the men who trained him back when. I was always told then to never get sick and miss work, and I guess there is truth to this. You would think that if there was truly a shortage, that companies would want to hire someone with 31 years over these kids fresh out of school who don't know the front from the back of a truck. Wouldn't you? Now, from that truckstop.com panel, which touched on what truckstop.com's Noel Perry described as a phenomenon particularly in niches related to retail products, i.e., quote, 
much more precise service will become the name of the game, end quote, for carrier and broker expectations, not the exception. New expectations around tight delivery windows and generally higher levels of service come, of course, at a time when mandated ELDs further limit owner-ops' abilities to easily meet those expectations. And shippers and receivers, some panelists argued, are slowly recognizing they play a part in it all, too. MC of the entire truckstop.com conference, company chief relationship officer Brent Hutto emphasized his company's new partnership with the DOC 411 load and unload location information service throughout the conference. DOC 411, of course, is available as an app. As I've written, the company seems to be leading something of a charge with the shippers it's been collecting information on within its app toward promotion of the, quote, shipper of choice phrase for facilities that carriers generally do want to do business with. By providing on-site parking and other amenities, such entities, shippers and receivers, can go a long way toward helping carriers effectively provide the high level of on-time service so many seem to want. The entire dynamic as a result of that, quote, Amazon effect, likewise the constraints that ELDs have put on the market and some other factors, is one that presents an opportunity too, as noted broker Jeff Tucker during the discussion. Transportation, quote, is being valued more than at any time in history, he said. Here's Tucker talking a bit about shippers' service demands. Keep in mind throughout this, uh, this audio that the panelists are tailoring their thoughts throughout for an audience of what is mostly brokers, with some carriers peppered here and there. Tucker gets to the opportunity for brokers explicitly, but much the same applies to small carriers and independent owner-ops with direct ship accounts. To, quote, for the first time in my career, as Tucker says, actually get paid for differentiating oneself from everybody else in the pack of transport service providers for providing on-time, consistent service. As you'll hear, he cites on-time compliance regimes that have tightened down for shippers and their broker and trucker service providers, sending product to major retailers like Walmart. Just a quick show again, how many people deliver into major retailers? Okay, so, so this is going to resonate, I think, with you. Um, we do too. And uh, I see for the first time in my career, and it's only been 27 years uh, career, but uh, it's the first time in my career I see an opportunity to see this industry segment into high performers and everyone else. Right now we're part of an everyone else culture. And what I mean by that is, uh, if you know, Walmart had a, has a compliance fee regime, uh, and, if, and I'll just I'll, I'm going to simplify it as best I can, just so we get to the point. You used to be able to deliver the day before, the day of, the day after to Walmart, and, and if you didn't, at 90 percent or 80 percent, whatever the case was, you had to pay a fee to Walmart. Walmart changed that compliance fee regime last April to you had to deliver on the day of. Not the day before, the day after. So they, they wiped out two thirds right of their delivery window to the day of. And oh, by the way, they amped up the penalty. The penalty was if you and they're, they're ramping up to try to get ninety percent all of their deliveries on that on that day. You don't deliver. You didn't deliver to a ninety percent uh, percentile delivery. You would have to pay three percent of your entire invoice value to everything that you sent to Walmart for the entire quarter. I have, a, I have two customers that that equals uh, a million and a half to two million dollars of, of, of value. I'm, I'm going to be visiting with uh, a, a major retailer tomorrow and a whole bunch of manufacturers that go into this retailer. 
to talk about these issues, right? Now, Walmart just opened up about a month ago. Walmart opened up the day before. So they can now deliver the day before and the day of without penalty. But 3% of the invoice value for the entire quarter, right? That's enormous if you've been delivering into Walmart for a long time. As soon as Walmart did it, Target had their own regime, Walgreens has their own regime, and, and, and trickle down the line that the, the uh, grocery retailers all have their own regime. So um, the group that I'm going to be talking to are all manufacturers tomorrow, and, and I, I had a chance to speak with them. They're stealing money. They, they're trying to keep up with the payments to the retailers for not getting these dollars, uh, uh, the, the deliveries. They're stealing money from advertising and marketing to pay compliance fees. So, so why does this matter? Why does any of it matter? It matters because I said earlier, I got that one carrier that doesn't, uh, that, that appears to have delivered if it gets within like a mile of the destination. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly exaggerating, but not that much badly. Uh, most of my customers, and I have decent sized customers, most of my, with good TMSs, most of my customers have no clue when their freight delivers, unless they get a complaint, right? Their TMS doesn't tell them that. Um, they depend on us and their carriers to give them one-time data. Well, guess what? When they get a big old bill for a million dollars or $780,000 for a bunch of missed deliveries where they thought their data shows them from their carriers that have been fed into the TMS, that they were on time, well, there's gonna be hell to pay. And there is. There's a lot of help being paid right now. So, point is, if we, in this room, can be able to provide high-level service. This is getting C-level. One of the largest customers in the companies in this space told me that it's his entire job is to whittle down compliance fees and figure this out. It's his entire job. And this guy's a, he's, he's got a major voice in the industry. His entire job is to figure this out for his company. We've got the opportunity, if you're competent, to actually get paid more, to be competent for the first time in our lives, in our careers, than the guy who's incompetent. Because right now, I mean, I don't, have, I don't know how you guys feel, but when I go into an RFP, I know how good I am, and I know how good I've been. And procurement says, oh, well, we take service to be equal. Oh, all things are equal. Bull. Now, now, for the first time in my career, I can say bull of that. So, I think it's a great opportunity, and that's a revolution, I think. The next voice you'll hear is that of truckstop.com Chief Commercial Officer Bill Vitti, who moderated the panel. He's asking Jeff Tucker a follow-up question about the reality of Tucker's brokerage. I have one follow-up real quick. Right, so, because you're a service, you guys have service excellence, right? So, are you charging a premium? Are you... It's hard to say, right, because with the environment that we're in, we just took on one fairly large account, uh, and we went from zero to, they're like our number two account, in four months. And we just had our first QBR, and these guys are, these guys are intense with their data. They're the best data I've ever seen from a shipper, period. And we were green in everything. So they just, they just couldn't believe how, you know, so uh, we're getting good, Good pricing, but it's it's too you know like you don't really know until the second arc, the second round, if those prices sustain. You know, truckstop.com chief economist Noel Perry followed with some perspective on where the increasingly tight focus on on-time performance 
and the opportunity to competitively differentiate is coming from, chiefly, that Amazon effect of ever-shortening lead times for loads that we've written about glancingly in the somewhat recent past. Uh, one way to put this in perspective is to think about what's going on in Amazon. Uh, if, if I uh, need something for my garden, uh, a tool or something, and I run over to uh, Home Depot or to Lowe's, and it's not there, uh, John talked about the business of traveling to several stores to find something. If it's not there, I blame Home Depot or I blame Lowe's. If I go on Amazon and order that, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's a day late, I blame FedEx or I blame UPS. And here's the point. As we go to uh, this internet-based uh, ordering of goods, the, the transportation piece of the, of the supply chain instantly becomes visible to the customer. And so now it's not good enough to be one or two days late, uh, uh, because that just means the shelves are, are a little less uh, full. It, it means that there's a service failure with respect to the retailer. And so uh, uh, I believe that at least for the retail portion of the uh, supply chains, that uh, much more precise service will become the uh, name of the game rather than a nice thing. The third panel participant, well-known transportation analyst John Larkin of Stiefel Financial, rounded out the discussion in part echoing Perry's hypotheticals that show co consumer expectations driving new service expectations from shippers up the chain into the trucking world. Here's Larkin. The shippers' service expect expectations are a reflection of their customers' expectations, uh, which have changed dramatically thanks to the big A. That's Amazon that Larkin's referring to, of course. On Sunday, I had a few spare minutes, and I uh, had promised to repair my wife's favorite um, uh, piece of luggage, checkable piece of luggage, and I needed some hardware, and <clears throat> all the hardware we had accumulated over the years uh, it was either thrown out or misplaced. It wasn't in our place here in Dallas. So I went on Amazon and, and, and bought a selection of nuts and bolts and washers. Okay, and for no extra charge, you could ask for same day delivery. And Darn uh, ordered this at maybe noon, and the nuts, bolts, and washers were delivered on Sunday at 5 p.m., which is just ridiculous, right? And you'd say, well, how is it possible that they have that inventory so close? Uh, the Dallas are a lot of other people buying uh, nuts and bolts and washers. Hard to imagine, right? But it, it, it was just remarkable at a reasonable price. And because you're a Prime member, you don't have to pay for the delivery. So <clears throat> the reason shippers are tightening down on their expectations uh, is that their customers have come to inspect this sort of instant gratification type of uh, uh, e-commerce delivery and that puts pressure on all the elements of the, the supply chain, the transportation companies, the transportation managers uh, and the brokers to really execute uh, perfectly uh, every time. There's not a lot of leeway uh, for failure out there and uh, 
that's that's why I would I tend to agree with what Jeff said that this is an era where you have the opportunity to really differentiate yourself from the, the pack and to provide a better service that meets these heightened expectations, charge a premium for that, and, and not be thrown out two years from now when they put it all up for bid again and give it to the, the low-priced guy because the low-priced guy is not going to be able to deliver the service that you've been delivering over the last couple of years. I think that's that's sort of the era that we're entering, um, and, and that should be very good for folks that that have harnessed the technology that is available and hired the right bright people to provide uh, that that higher level of service. If you do your managerial economics and uh, measure the effect of good service on the shippers' bottom line you will find that the difference between good and bad service is several, many times bigger than the difference that even a expert a broker like Jeff can get out of a customer. And if you don't think that good service pays, you explain to me why spot rates are 30% higher this year than they were last year. That's, it's not because you're paying your drivers 30% more. It's because the customers understand that when there's a supply chain failure, the cost goes high. There's only two things that can get a traffic manager fired. One, getting caught cheating on their expenses. And the other one is not to have trucks. But because we've had abundant capacity for most of our careers, it's, it's, it's only the cheaters on their expenses that got fired. Well, in the last year, some of the other people are worried about their jobs. And so there is a tremendous, uh, as, as John said, there is a tremendous shipper drive in their economics for better service. And, uh, and it's our responsibility, in part using the tools from Truck Stop, to charge the full value of what we provide. I would say that uh, you know John mentioned the same day. Um, does anyone you know check first when you're purchasing online? You get it the same day. Yeah. So that, that's my first choice now, and, and that's because if I can't get it then, I want it tomorrow. So so Amazon Prime two days is is so three years ago. <laughs> and 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 uh, Target. Uh, Target announced, I think, this week that they're implementing a same day, right? So it's a really good time for us to be in transportation because transportation is going to be valued and is being valued more than any time in history. And I just don't think that that value is going down in the next year or two. I, I didn't comment on how long with this pricing thing. I, I believe into next year. but. Uh, of course, unless there's going to be a downturn, there has to be a downturn. I think that's um, a law of economics. Uh, but so it'd be interesting to see what happens, and we've we've all seen what happens when a downturn happens. However, there's going there's going to be a continual pressure um, in all markets on on this high level performance. So I think it's, a, it's again, it's a really great place that we're in, and a really great time that we're in. And 
I think it's only going to get worse, meaning better for us, uh, with the, the, the premium placed on transportation over the next several years. In, the, in most of our careers, certainly my career, um, there's always a, tr a trade-off between transportation and uh, supply chain economics. And that trade-off for almost 40 years drove reduction in inventory. So better service meant reduction in, in inventory, which is a cost issue. And it was powerful, but it's relatively small. What, we've, what we're witnessing now is the shift of transportation versus inventory to transportation versus customer satisfaction. And the payoff in retail terms is way bigger for this, this thing we're experiencing now. Great. Uh, this one, this, this theme I'm extremely passionate about our company as truck stop. We, we try to find ways and our mission is to help that carrier to be more successful, bring them success, especially as you talk about small carriers and what we do to help them to grow their business and be more profitable and more successful. And so the question is, what can we do as an industry to help these small carriers, the carriers in general, be more successful and focus on that? So, Jeff? I, I think um, I, I love um, I love the variety. I love the fact that we have more carriers in business today than we've ever had by far. And I think that that's um, like I look I, I look on it fondly. I think of like you know our country, our energy independence, and, and our, our resources, and and then we built the highways in the fifties, and, and and you know this idea that we would consolidate into a bunch of few carriers at the top. Uh, just irritates me like crazy, so I'm thankful uh, that uh, TruckStop and, and other tools exist and the marketplace exists and all of us, uh, 3PLs exist, to enrich the marketplace. This marketplace, uh, the way I see the transportation marketplace, I've always seen it as a living organism. And, and uh, you know, we're going to adjust to the new norm, we're going to figure out, we're going to reach a point where we can probably predict rates for a year or so, you know, like we did for many, many years since the deregulation. But making sure that we have a lot of choices, and making sure that we have as many carriers in business as we can, and, and, and keeping drivers happy and, 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 uh, and, and earning a good living, I think is the most important thing that all of us can do if we want uh, you know, a long career in this uh, in this business. Uh, my dad used to say, you know, like you do the things, you do things for the industry to help the, you know, to help the industry. Uh, if if the if the tides rise, then everyone everyone rises with it. And I think that's important for us to be thinking about as we as we operate our businesses. Uh, here's a perspective that that might help. One of the reasons, one of the big reasons why we're all in this room is be, because shippers. Um, one, the advantage of the capacity that small people provide and the entrepreneurial uh, drive that makes that low cost, but they don't want to deal with the transaction expense of dealing with a bunch of small guys because it's expensive. You don't have EDI, you don't have a lot of different things. And um, so uh, in order to preserve this essential capacity that that Jeff has been talking about, we need to um, drive automation in the brokerage space that keeps or actually lowers the transaction cost of dealing with small people. Uh, one other point, by the way, um, the biggest reason why the big guys have not grown 
is because they're more interested in increasing their margins than they are in growth. And they've lost, oh my goodness, the press here. Uh, excuse me, they're not driven by the same entrepreneurial spirit that they were driven by in the J.B. Hunt and uh, Don Schneider days. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, what my point is, what's happened is the entrepreneurial focus of the business has gone from the big and medium-sized fleets down, 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 down. And so uh, the small guys are where it's at when you talk about innovation and uh, entrepreneurial drive.